Galatians chapter 5, if you would, Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5, I appreciate you singing. Boy, the music for the last few services and really since the pandemic has just been so good. And I appreciate you uh, singing. It just, it, it makes church fun, if I could say it that way. Uh, it's boring when church is boring and quiet. And uh, it makes it a blast when everybody gets in here and sings. And I think we kind of took for granted getting together as the choir. And now that we've gotten back, uh, the choir is just excited to be there. Uh, we're not everybody, everybody can't be back, but we're excited to do it. And then when we have the congregational singing, everybody joins in. Man, it's exciting. Don't ever forget. Now, we are not performers performing to the audience. We are all the performers performing to the audience, okay? And so when we sing, man, this, this is a corporate thing. Now, the choir will do something, or the offertory will be played, and maybe a special, a solo, or a group, and that's okay. But we want a lot of our church to be all of us singing and all of us praising, not just, not just let's go look at the pianist up there and let them play. Let's look at the choir, and we'll just sit out here and, and, and do our own thing. Let's get involved in church, and I appreciate that. It just has made church exciting, and it stirred my heart lately, uh, the way we've been singing, and I appreciate that. Galatians 5, verse number 16. We're going to read one verse, and then we'll pray and be seated. This I say, then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the time that you've given us together. Thank you for our church and all that it means to me and my family and uh, all that it means to us to be able to get together uh, during these uncertain days for sure. Lord, give us something from your word tonight, and uh, we'll thank you for it. We'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been cold outside, and... Uh, this is one of those funny things where you, you have those conversations about, would you rather it be hot or would you rather it be cold? And you have the hot people saying, give me summertime any day. And you have the cold people saying, give me wintertime any day. And I'm one of the folks that says, give me summer, okay? Uh, you, can sweat, you can go inside in the air conditioning. And then the cold people have this statement that really bothers me. I'm going to get it off my chest right now to you tonight. They have this statement. You know what it is. Well, you can always put on more clothes, Okay, now you got your chance. Go outside. Let's spend about two hours outside. Go outside yesterday. Let's rewind and go outside. Last night when it's, what did we hit? 14 degrees. And uh, if you say that statement, you can always put on more clothes. You've never been in real cold. Some of us have. I'm looking at the bolts. They've been to Alaska. Uh, maybe they're cold people. I don't know. Maybe I'm preaching uh, to the wrong people there. <laughs> but uh, I've been at cold. I have a friend that posts things every now and then, and she says, it's so cold, it hurts. And I've been in places where it's so cold, it hurts. And I'm glad I'm not there anymore. It gets so cold, it hurts just a few days of the, of the year here. But uh, we, we enjoyed the day off. The kids were just praying for snow uh, because when we have snow here, we have a few snowflakes uh, here in Mississippi. We shut down everything, don't we? Uh, we can't get outside, much less on the road. And so they were praying. We didn't get, so we got a few flurries, uh, but that was kind of neat to see. But uh, it is great to see you on a cold weather night. And I know it's, uh, it's a little bit more difficult and it's a little more painful to get into church. Uh, sore joints and uh, stiff, achy muscles in this cold weather. But I appreciate you making the effort to be here tonight. Uh, we live in 2021. We all have phones, uh, devices, computers. Uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever lost your password? Have you ever forgotten your password? Yes. Uh, I have too. Have you ever had a password for everything and then you forgot it? Or 
one place you use it changes it, and they make you change. Sometimes our school, we have a system that we put, we were just doing this the other day, and our school system came up, and I went to type in and enter in where we can see grades and see records and things, and it said, your password's expired, do a new one. I thought, no, I don't want to do a new one, because I'm going to forget, I forgot the old one. I can definitely gonna remember the new one. So you type it in, and then it says, ding, you've already used that one. Type in another one, ding, you've already used that one too. I thought, okay, I'm going to have to change everything. And I have a password app, and that all the, half the passwords are, are not complete anymore. You know, I've changed them. And I have another place where I've stored other passwords. And then I find where, you know, our you know, Wi-Fi goes out or something, something happens. I've got to find that password. I don't have it stored anywhere. And I can't find it. We live in that day and age where we have passwords, but we can't find them or we lose them. Uh, my sister-in-law, everybody, you know, you try to be up here and be funny. And uh, when I get up here and make fun of my family, that always gets the biggest laugh. I don't know why. I make fun of my brother, especially since he's not here. Everybody dies laughing. So uh, giving my sister-in-law a hard time, she's probably not watching us. They're, they're going to church here in a few hours anyway. Uh, maybe they have us pulled up. But she would be in the office, and we'd work in the school, and uh, we'd get the password for something. I'd write it down for her. Hey, this is the school thing we're doing for this. And a day later, two days later, a week later, Miss Melissa's searching around. I know I put that post-it somewhere with the password. And we're searching all over. Uh, oh, it's in this drawer. And then we lost the key to the drawer. Uh, couldn't open it. <laughs> we, we've done that before. We've lost a password. And it's the, it's the most frustrating thing, isn't it? And then it says, no, 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 I did this to my phone or some device I had the other day. I can't remember what it was. And it finally said, oh, that's been too long. You're going to have to wait 10 minutes. You're going to have to wait 30 minutes. You're going to have to wait an hour. Maybe your kids have gotten a hold of your phone, and they've done it 100 times. They've put in all those numbers, and then it's like two hours. You can't get on your phone. You have to wait. Uh, we've done that before. Uh, I came across this story, though, that is like the ultimate bad I lost my password story. There's a man named Stefan Thomas, who's a German. I think he's an engineer or a programmer. He got in early on this Bitcoin thing, and I don't know anything about Bitcoin, this cryptocurrency, but he got in early with one of the guys there, and he developed a video or something for them, and when he did it, the guy paid him in Bitcoin. I'm not going to give you dollars, but I'll give you Bitcoin, and obviously it changes into money uh, in this cryptocurrency. Well, this is years and years and years ago before Bitcoin has really taken off, and apparently his investment has grown. The problem is Stefan Thomas has a password to his Bitcoin, which is like digital money, but he can't find his password. He wrote it down, and he said, of all, I wrote it on a piece of paper. <laughs> he said, I lost the piece of paper. He said, he, the, the guy gave him 7,002 Bitcoin. Now, I don't, know, I don't know what that is, so I looked this up. He had 7,002 Bitcoin. It has grown and grown and grown. The kicker is his worth in Bitcoin is now over $240 million, and he doesn't know the password to get to it. The other problem is he has it in a software, uh, encrypted hard drive uh, called Iron Key. Iron Key only gives you 10 chances. Once you hit your 10th chance and you guess the wrong password, it locks you out forever. They're saying nobody, they didn't give them the password, they didn't give them the software, the Bitcoin people, they don't know it, nobody knows it, Stefan Thomas doesn't know it, he can't get in, he can't get in, if he enters the password 10 times, wrong, he loses upwards of $240 million, and maybe it's still growing. The real kicker is, he's already entered it eight times and been wrong. <laughs> His quote was about only two chances to get this money out. He said, I would just lay in bed and think about it. And I would go to the computer with some new strategy. It wouldn't work, and I would be desperate again. 
Finally, he said, I put this computer, I put everything aside, and I said, I'm just going to let the past be past. I hope some programmer, or I hope some computer whiz uh, is able to crack this complex thing because I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get into it. But he said, I just stopped thinking about it for my mental health. I can't, I can't think about losing out on $240 million. If you've lost your password to your iPhone, at least you haven't lost $240 million. But we're looking at that Galatians 5.16 if I could liken it to this, there's, this is the password to the Christian life. Have you ever been so frustrated you can't get on a website or you can't go buy that thing or you can't go get into some software, you can't get into your phone, and if you just knew the password. And sometimes we start living the Christian life and we go, man, I just, I just can't do it. I wish, I wish there was something I could plug in, type in, where I could just actually live this thing the right way. Well, here it is, Galatians 5.16. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For me, this is a password, a key verse, a password to the Christian life. In the Old Testament, we know the Old Testament laws, there's about 613 uh, laws from the Old Testament. We boil those down into the Ten Commandments. Now, we don't follow 613. It's easier to follow ten, right? But when you really get down to it, when they ask Jesus about the Ten Commandments, what did Jesus say? They said, which is the greatest commandment? He said, love, love the Lord with all your heart, right? And then love your neighbor. So Jesus boiled it down to two, and he said, hang all the law and the prophets on just those two. Let's look at Galatians 5. Look at verse number 14. Not only do we have it down to two, Galatians 5 even gets more focused on one thing. From 613 laws, boiled down to maybe 10 commandments, boiled down to the two that Jesus gave us, what does Paul say? For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we really want to do this thing of the Christian life, if we really want to fulfill the law, the Bible says it right there pretty plainly, love your neighbor as yourself. Really, how do we love God? I can't see him. You know, I can pray to him. I have faith he's there. But how do I love God? I love you. I do for you. You do for me. How do you love God? You do for others around you. What did the Bible say in John? Where uh, how, how will they know us as Christians? They'll know by our love for one another. It's in us because it's, God is love, and it's in us, and it comes out to each other. And Paul says, if we could knock down all the law, let's just look at the whole Old Testament in one word, in one thing, love your neighbor as yourself. I think we would look at that and say, okay, I want to do that. The problem is, that's impossible. Galatians 5.14 is impossible. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I don't know about you, but I'll just be transparent. I like me. <laughs> I like me a lot. I like me a lot more than any of you. I'm just going to be honest. You can't lie behind the pulpit, right? I like me. But the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And we can say, yeah, I do. Or we can, we can give to a charity. Or we can give our tithes and offerings. We can do something for somebody else around the church and think... But really, do we love them like I love myself? You know, Christ showed that love to us on the cross. Well, I think Moses showed that love when he prayed, Lord, not me, not them, but me, blot me out. I think Paul showed that love when he said, I, I wish I could be accursed for my brethren. I don't know that I can pray that prayer. But the Bible says clearly, love thy neighbor as thyself. If you want to do it all, if you want to live the Christian life, fulfill all the law in one word, love each other. But the problem is I can't do that. Try as I might, it's too hard. I, need, I, need, I can't unlock that Christian life. I can't get in to that, key, uh, that vault. 
The book of Galatians, really quickly, by just a way of background, Paul's pretty stern and pretty severe. Early on, he doesn't give any commendations or praises or thanksgivings. He doesn't recognize anybody by name. He just jumps in the first chapter and says, what are you doing? <laughs> Basically what he says. My brother said the Bartlett version. I think I read the same version as him. I got the same version, the Bartlett version. I guess we read from the same one growing up. Or maybe our dad gave it to us, and we heard phrases like, what are you doing? <laughs> that makes no sense, son. Paul, early on in Galatians, says, what are you doing? We preach the gospel to you, but you've left it. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Can you start something in the spirit, but now fulfill it in the flesh? Galatians is a stern warning from Paul. Stop jumping back into legalism and works salvation. He's fighting. He's fighting against the legalism of the day. What, what, what was going on is the Old Testament Jews were getting saved, and then they were going back into the Old Testament temple worship. And Paul said, you didn't get saved to go back. You got saved to go forward. So Paul is, is, is somebody said, this is a manifesto of Christian liberty, the book of Galatians. Okay, we are free. And he says, uh, this is also a defense of justification by faith. And not only that, but living by faith. Um, I like how I heard it put one time. Somebody said, Paul wrote Romans from the head. It's very, uh, we go to the Romans road, right? It very well it intellectually explains you're a sinner. You're on your way to hell. The whole world is full of sinners. There's only one way to get out of it, and it's through justification by faith. And if you call on him, you'll be saved. It's a very intellectual way we say the Romans road because it, it just lays it right out. Paul wrote Romans to the head. Galatians is from the heart. He's very stern with these folks. Oh, foolish Galatians, what are you doing? You're saved. Don't go back into work salvation. Don't try to keep your salvation by your work. Some folks get saved, but then they think they have to keep it. What sense does that make? If I can lose it, that means I can get it again. Well, I can't get it in the first place. It was given to me. It's by grace, through faith, not by works. And so Paul is telling them, hey, don't go back into that. We, we taught you, a, a, if anybody preaches a different gospel to you, let him be accursed. This, this, is, this, this is a gospel that is free and clear and is by grace through faith. And so he's really stern with this, uh, this, the Galatian people here. And we go to this verse, verse number 16. I know I've memorized this. We have master's club here and uh, master's men, and these kids memorize verses. We have Sunday school. We have school where they'll memorize verses. They come home and say verses. And I know this is one that I've probably memorized from, from being these kids' age that are growing up in our church. Walk in the Spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But you, have you ever realized when you read the Bible, memorize the Bible, sometimes it doesn't really apply to you or you don't really grow into it until later? It's not like the Bible changes but it's your understanding of it changes. Sometimes your life experience changes and then you hold on to verses harder than you ever had. You've known them for your whole life. Man, they mean a great deal to you when you go through something. I think of verses uh, in the Bible with folks that have buried loved ones. We've watched them down here one after one. The Bible's a lot more. Boy, there's nothing like reading. He shall descend from heaven with a shout at somebody's graveside. The voice of the archangel, the trump of God shall sound. They, these are dead in Christ shall rise, right? There's nothing like reading that verse during a time of difficulty. And through life experience, I've known this verse, I've seen it, but sometimes you have that aha moment, right? You read it again and it goes, wow. Now that makes sense to me. Now I'm going to apply it. I can remember sitting in church just like this as a kid, and you're trying to do right, right? And, 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 and you get this, 
all right, and this is for real now. You know, you get right with the Lord, and this, this time, I'm no turning back. No, I sang it during the invitation, no turning back, no turning back. And you get all excited. And I can remember sitting in church, you're just trying to do right. And I can remember as a kid, my, my mind wandering. Here I just decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And my mind starts wandering in church. I mean, what kind of Christian am I? I can't even pay attention. And I sit in church as a kid, and I can remember thinking, oh, I gotta pay attention. Lord, forgive me for not paying attention. And then as I'm praying forgiveness for not paying attention, I missed what the preacher said. Oh, Lord, forgive me for missing that too. And then as I'm praying forgiveness, Lord, I'm no turning back, clean slate with the Lord. I keep praying for forgiveness. The whole sermon I'm praying for forgiveness. I can't hear a word he's saying because I'm trying to get forgiveness for missing the words he's saying. And it's this vicious cycle of trying to please the Lord, right? And we get into this, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do. Now, we, we're, we're not against confessing sin. But sometimes we get in that cycle of the Christian life where I'm trying to please the Lord. And in my pleasing of the Lord, I see my, my faults and failures. And I start going back to the Lord with my faults and failures. And then I figure out where I messed up because I was praying over my faults and failures. And I just feel like a worthless, nobody Christian. Why can't I get it right? The only thing I can see is my bad. The only thing I can see is my sin. And so if we want to unlock, I think, the password, the passcode to the Christian life, we find it in Galatians 5, okay? Look at verse number 16 again. The word says then. This I say then. What is the then? We say what is the therefore, therefore, right? We see that word therefore in the Bible. What is the therefore, therefore? We'll go back a little bit and find it. I think we could say that word, we could say that phrase with the word then. What is the then, therefore? If there's a then, there was an if, right? If this, then that. If you do this, in Proverbs, if you do this, then this will happen. If you don't do this, then this will happen. Well, what's the then here for? This I say then. Well, if you look down in verse number one, it kind of gives us, well, we won't read the whole book here, but who are we talking to? Actually, look back to chapter four, verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman or the free. Abraham had two, right? One that was free, one that was Ishmael and Isaac. And he says it's an allegory. It's a picture. We are of the children of Abraham. Isaac, we're saved. Verse number one of chapter five, stand fast, therefore. There's that therefore. What's that therefore? Because you're saved. Now stand fast. You're in the family. Stand fast in the liberty that Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't go back to doing works for salvation. Don't go back into that nominal life. Don't go back from where you got saved. What is he saying at the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of 5? You're saved. Stand fast in freedom. Skip over to verse number 14. Verse number 13, chapter 5. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. So why does it say then? This I say then, because you're saved and you want to serve God. You want to serve others. The Bible just says it clearly. Brethren, you're brethren, you're called into liberty. Let's be free. So if I want to be free, then this is what we have to do. We keep reading in verse number 14. For all the laws fulfilled, love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you not be consumed. We have a converse relationship here. For verse 14, this is one that serves. Verse 15, this is one that bites and devours. So I'm saved, I'm one of the brethren, I'm standing fast in the liberty. If I don't want to bite and devour, but I do want to serve one another and fulfill all the law, what do I do then? Verse number 16, this I say then. Here's the key, here's the, here's the word, this I say then. If you want to do all that as you're saved and serving, how do you do it? Walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
the first point there is who we are. I think I had some points up here, and I think I skipped over some. So here we go. Here, who we are. If we have points on the screen, I'll give them to you real fast. Who we are. Who are we? We're the saved. We're the brethren. Okay, we don't want, but we're also the brethren that want to serve one another, not biting and devouring. If we're not walking in the spirit, we're walking in the flesh. If we're walking in the flesh, a telltale sign is how you talk to each other, how you treat your wife, how you treat your husband, how you treat your kids. If you're treating everybody bad, you're probably not walking in the flesh. You bite, devour. But we shouldn't be a church that does that. We should be a church that loves one another. First point is who we are. The second point is where are we heading? Verse number 17. We have the 16 verse, but we're going to skip ahead for a second. Where are we heading after all this? Verse number 17. I'm so glad this is in the Bible. For the lust, flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. <laughs> it's one of those like, thank you. Some days I feel that way. I cannot do what I would. Man, I'm glad verses are like that to make, make the Bible really just come alive for me. Have you ever had a day where you cannot do what you would? Man, I'm trying. Man, I'm trying to do right. I'm try- I got right Sunday night. I've been trying to live in the Word. And by the time I get to church Wednesday, I haven't fulfilled what I said I was going to do at the altar Sunday night. It's so frustrating. And Paul says the reason why is you have a flesh and a spirit, and they're contrary. And the reason you can't do what you would, I mean, you have good intentions. You're sincere about your decisions. But I can't do what I want to do. It's so frustrating. Have you ever said, how come I can't live this life? I mean, they're preaching it. I feel like everybody else is living it but me. I feel like the preacher's got it. I mean, I know he's not perfect, but I feel like he's got a hold of it. I feel like the staff. I feel like this person. I feel like that Christian. Man, I feel like this thing is passing me by, and I can't live it. I try, really, I, really, I try, I've tried for my whole life, but I can't live this life. We're on the right track. No, you can't. My Sunday school teacher used to say this. It stuck with me. Oh, my soul. This is one of those Sunday, you know, I'm not a morning person. I'm sitting there Sunday morning. I'm already tired. And I don't really want to be there. You know, it's in the morning. I'm not woke up yet. We haven't had coffee or whatever. And then he would say words like this. Listen, are you tired of running into that brick wall? Yes. <laughs> Are you tired of not being able to live the Christian life? He said, do you get up and get ready to serve God? And then, boom, you hit that wall and fall flat on your backside and think, goodness. Well, let me try it again. And man, the harder you run into that wall, seems like the harder the wall gets. Have you had that experience in your Christian life? You try to get up and do right, and no matter what you do, You run into that brick wall, you find yourself flat on your face, flat on your backside, and you think, I can't do this. At a certain point, I'm just going to go to church, I'm going to play the game, I'm going to look right, because I don't want to be a bad person. But inside, I can't live what they're saying. I can't live what that Bible's preaching. I have tried. So I'm not going to quit church. But we end up in the auditorium, and we just have a bunch of mediocre Christians that realize, I can't do it. I mean, I'm going to look the part. I'm going to ask the part. I'm not going to try to be deceptive, but I just, I've tried and tried and tried. It doesn't work for me. I can't live it. I have run into that brick wall a thousand times, Brother Heath, and I've been right there with you. I have run into it and hit my head. I have been bruised and beaten and battered. And we start to realize I can't do this. Where are we heading? Verse number 17, the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Verse number 18, but if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. And then 19 through 21, we know these verses, the works of the flesh. We have two places we're heading, works of the flesh. Verse 19, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or we skip down to verse number 22, the fruit of the spirit. 
I know I'm saved. I know I'm a brethren. I know I'm part of the family. And I've got two places to head. I've got a flesh. I've got a spirit. And I've got two places I can go. I've got two roads to travel. I've got the spirit or I've got the flesh. I see the end of the flesh in verse number 19. I see the end of the spirit. So what do we do? This is what we want to get to today. Why we succeed or fail. Let's get back to the password verse here. Verse 16. We've, we talked about where we were, who we are. We've talked about where we're going. Now let's get back, let's get back to the middle again. I've been there with you. And I know that resonates with you. Because if you've tried to live the Christian life, you've had that experience. I can't do it. It's too hard. I quit. And I've, I've walked that path with you. I, and I, I remember in particular being frustrated with myself. Why can't I do right? Why can't I do it with some type of consistency? About the time I get up on my feet, I fall over again and I mess up. Why can't I live the life? And then it was during a message. It was during Bible reading. I don't remember exactly when it was, but I came across this first. I, I feel like it was during a message and my eyes skimmed over and the message wasn't even over this, but it was Galatians 5, 16. This I say then walk in the spirit. And it hit me. I zo- zo- zoomed in on that word shall. This I say then walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We just, had, we just had Soul Winning Clinic. Brother Treadway did a great job. I've heard Soul Winning Clinic from Brother Treadway. He talked about Carl Hatch. I've heard Soul Winning Clinic from Carl Hatch. I actually had one of those. He had the little uh, laminated sheets. I don't know if y'all ever had one of those. I had the little laminated Romans Road from Carl Hatch. Uh, I've, heard, I've been to personal evangelism in Bible college. I've, I've, we, we ran what we called the Timothy Club years ago. Some of us may remember that here. We taught through soul winning. I've sat through VBS, Smite Camp, all types of different methods and ways to train us how to win people to Christ. And we invariably go to the Romans Road. You don't have to go to Romans, but we always do because it's easy. And we already said it just kind of lays out the gospel. And we go to Romans 10, 13, right at the end. And what does it say? For whosoever shall call shall be saved. And we go, that's the clincher verse. You've got them, all, you've got them lost. You've told them what, what they need. You told them Jesus is the Savior. If you call, you shall be saved. And we give them assurance. Does that say maybe? No. Does that say might be saved? No. We say Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call shall be saved. And then they pray the prayer and, and get saved. They come to Christ. We're so excited. And you go right back to Romans 10, 13. What does that verse say? Put your name in there. For if he shall call, he shall be saved. That, does that mean you're saved? Yes. Did you call? Yes. Why can we apply that to the unsaved, but we can't apply that to the saved in my life? In Galatians 5, 16. What is different from the Romans 10, 13 shall, as opposed to the Galatians 5, 16 shall? Romans 10, 13 says shall, Galatians 5, 16 says shall, and it just hit me, the simplicity that the Bible hits us with sometimes, I'm going stupid. Walk in the Spirit. Lord, I'm so tired of living the way I'm living. I'm so, I just wish I, wish I could do right. I wish I could stop falling to temptation. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It seals the deal in verse number 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh These are contrary. We read that verse going, if I do wrong, I can't do right. Let's read it like this. If I do right, I can't do wrong. Why? Because they are contrary. If I serve in the Spirit, I cannot fulfill the works of... It's what it says, right? Verse number 16. You shall not. If I walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Are you tired of living the Christian life? 
and running into that brick wall? You're running into the brick wall because you're not doing it in the spirit. I'm not doing it in the spirit. I'm doing it in the flesh, and I'm trying to fulfill a spiritual command just like the Galatians through my works of my flesh. Duh, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Turn it around, walk in the flesh, you shall not fulfill the spirit. I can't do half. I can't do half of one and half of the other. I'm either in the spirit or I'm not. Are you walking in the spirit today? Is the Lord on your side today? More importantly, are you on his? Let's talk about that for a second. Why do we succeed and fail at this thing? We go to Galatians 5.22. Look down at verse number 22. We see this verse and we love it. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And what do we try to do? We start to try to have love and we try to have peace and we try to have long-suffering until they cut us off on the way to church. I was trying to have patience. I tried to have temperance. <laughs> and we fall and we hit that. We try to go to sleep at night when we have peace. We turn the music up louder. We turn the movie on. We turn the TV on. Just, I just need peace. And we chase after the fruit without entering the passcode to get in. I was doing work at our house the other day, and I'm not, uh, you know, it's mo mostly YouTube videos. I'm, and it always looks easier on YouTube than it does when I do it at my house. I don't know how they do it right there. And then my, my, my projects never turn out like they say. But watching tutorials, we were fixing some flooring, and I was doing some of the plank flooring. And I uh, got this hammer, and I'm hammering a uh, little uh, rubber mallet. And we're hammering the sheets in, hammering the, uh, the pieces in, getting them just right so there's no seams. And right about, to, I got to the end, of the end of the room, and I'm cutting this thing. It's not fitting right. And I just grabbed my rubber mallet, and boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I banged it into place. The flooring's starting to split a little bit, and it's all getting, I, I can fix that. I, you know, that's what those little wood markers are for, right? You just color it in when you mess it up. I'm jamming that thing into the floor. I'm jamming that thing into the seam. It's going to fit. It's too small to cut. So I'm going to jam it in there with my rubber mallet. Boom, 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 boom. And I just nail it in there. I'm stomping on it. Get in there. Stick some glue in there, maybe something. Just get it in there. Make it fit. Make it work. <laughs> and I always make the, I think I heard my dad say this all the time. And I always stand up and say, good enough. You know, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So if I stare at it long enough, it's going to bother me. I'm going to rip the whole thing out and do it again. And it's going to be three hours later. I'm still going to be there at the same point trying to hammer that one piece in. So finally, I just got to back away and say, good enough. Nobody's going to see that. Okay, the problem is good enough is not good enough for God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. My good enough is not good enough for him. And we try to come to church, and we try to read the Bible, and we try to live the Christian life in the flesh, and we're jamming, jamming the flesh into a spiritual mold, saying, get in there, get in there, get in there. Boom, boom, boom. We're hitting our flesh with a rubber mallet, saying, get spiritual, get spiritual. And the flesh is like, I'm not of the, I can't do that. I'm not of the spirit. It's contrary to me. It's not natural. I don't like it. Don't stick, it, it doesn't fit. It's a square peg in a round hole, right? I, it doesn't work. When you chase after verse number 22, love, joy, peace, without walking with, with, with the Spirit, that's legalism. You're chasing after the outward trappings, but nothing, nothing happened inwardly. And that's what Paul's preaching against. Now, we love that for the salvation. Grace through faith. That's right. No works. The same way we got saved is the same way we be saved. By grace, through faith. 
not by works of righteousness. Remember, I don't have any works of righteousness to give. So I can't get saved by grace through faith and then go into works and say, well, now God's going to be pleased with me because of my works. No, he's not. He wasn't pleased with me in the beginning with my works. I was condemned by my works. Why would I go back to my works? Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Why are you starting in the spirit, but now you're walking in the flesh saying, yeah, I can do it in the flesh. So we walk in this legalistic way. I'm, a, I'm pleased God. I please God by the way I dress. I please God by my church attendance. I please God because I don't look like them. Look at that visitor. I used to be like that. We're a legalist. We're a Pharisee. And we got to be careful. And I, I don't think we, we choose that path necessarily on purpose, but it's the natural thing. I want love, joy, peace, so I'm going to look like I have love, joy, and peace, and everything inside is wrong. Take the shall of, Roman, uh, take the shall of Galatians 5.16, walk in his spirit, and you'll realize I don't have to force it. I just am it. That doesn't make sense grammatically. But I don't, I don't have to force the spirit into a spiritual mold. He is the spirit. When the spirit is doing it through me, it just works. You know, when I'm walking in the spirit, I have no problem giving out a tract and giving the gospel. It's exciting to me, actually. I'm pulling that thing out like, do you go to church? And we just had an awesome church service. Where do you go to church? How are you? And we start, gas station doesn't matter. Restaurant doesn't matter. Knocking on doors, I don't have a problem giving Why? Because I've been living it all week. It just comes out of me. On the flip side, I have a problem giving the gospel when I've not been living right. I've not been, pray- I've not been in, the, in the Bible. I've not been living in the Spirit. I've not been walking in it. I've just been faking it at church. And I leave the doors and I go, man, I don't want to talk to anybody or bother. I don't want to-. And the Holy Spirit starts knocking on and, 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 and I, I feel guilty. Leave me alone. Go away. I don't want to live that right now. I'll get right later. Why? Because I'm living in the flesh. Don't be a legalist. Take, take Galatians 5.16 as a promise. Brother Heath, I can't do it. Yes, you can. If the Bible is true in Romans 10.13, is true in Galatians 5.16, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That means if you walk in the Spirit, I challenge you. Go hard. Go after it for 30 days, for a month and just say, Lord, I'm walking in the Spirit the best I know. how. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. And I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to do this little checklist thing. I'm going to commune with you for a month. Tell me at the end of 30 days, you have walked and talked with your Maker and your Savior. And the Christian life just doesn't come out of you naturally. It just does. Why? Because the flesh doesn't have any more room. They are contrary. And the flesh says, I can't be a part of that. That's why we crucify that flesh every day. I used to say good enough on those projects. I can't say good enough for God. I'm not good enough. I got saved because I admitted I was not good enough. Now I have to live the Christian life in sanctification saying I'm not good enough, but he is. All right, so how do we walk? What does that mean? It's a relationship with him and his word. I mean, that's pretty obvious. We're not actually have to physically walk, but walking, it's a good metaphor. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? John 5, 39, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Brother Heath, I can't live the Christian life. If you're a Christian and the spirit has been born inside you, and you read his words, you search the scriptures, and they testify of the Lord, you'll find him in there. And when you find him, you'll want to talk to him more and commune with him more, and you'll want to get right more. And when you walk out into the day-to-day life, you'll be living in the spirit. 
How do we worship him? In spirit and in truth. How do I walk in the spirit? His words are spirit in the Bible. We were, me and my wife were dating. And you know how it is. You start, you don't know each other well. It's that awkward circle, yes, if you like me, passing notes phase. We didn't do that. We were in college at this point, so we didn't pass notes and say circle yes if you like me. But it was one of those, you're feeling them out, you know. And you want to know if this is the one, but it's like the first date, and you can't just blurt that out, right? I can't ask that. So what do you do? You get to know each other. What do you do to get to know each other? You walk together. You go out. We would literally walk together some places. We would go out to eat. We would sit at the same table. It's a funny story. I was telling my Bible class the other day in school. We were first started dating, and I didn't know my wife very well. What do you want? And she would say, oh, nothing. I'm like, well, order something. Oh, no, I'm good. I don't want to be the only one sitting here eating. Order something. I'm not hungry. It's, it's 6, 7 o'clock, it's, or it's after church, you know, just whatever. I don't care. I don't, you know, and the smallest thing on the menu, I'm like, why don't you want to order something? Finally, I feel embarrassed you're spending your money on me. I wish you felt that way today. <laughs> I just feel embarrassed. I said, well, that's kind of how this works. I'm the guy. I'm not letting you pay for it. Let me pay for something. Let, I, that's kind of what I'm supposed to do, you know? Let me pay for it. Well, I'm not hungry. Yes, how can you not be hungry, you know? I'm in college. I'm always hungry. It's supper time. I'm starving. I said, one time I said, what did you eat if you're not hungry? Well, she's him hawing. I'm like, what have you eaten all day today? What have you eaten? Her answer, two Jolly Ranchers and a breath mint. You're not hungry after eating two Jolly Ranchers and a breath mint? We're ordering food. <laughs> you're eating it. Now, we order food. I don't want anything. I get food anyway. Because she's going to take mine when I get home. I would have ordered you anything. You said no food. Why? Because I know her. We've walked that road enough, <laughs> standing and ordering food. I know what her answer is going to be, and I know that's not the real answer. That's the secret to marriage. The answer is not the real answer, men. You young married couples, I've been at it for 15 years. The answer is not really the answer. What the answer is, I really still don't know, but it, what she says is not the answer. We're all trying to f figure it out, right? <laughs> Why do I know? Because I know her better than anybody. I know what she likes. I know where we could go right now and she'd say, yes, I want that. I know where we could go right now and she'd say, I don't like that place. Because we've walked together. We've been out to eat. We've talked together. I know her desires, her dreams, her thoughts. I can tell on her face when something's wrong. She can do the same with me. You know, you walk into the room with your spouse and you, you, you haven't said a word, right? Everybody's silent and you're just looking. Finally, one of you goes, what? Nothing. What? Nothing. Yes, there is something, nothing. There's something behind those eyes, right? And you know it's there, but they won't say it. Why? Because you know each other. You've been at it long enough. What if we got that close to the Lord? We walk with him. Where the Lord says here, and you go, what? What is it? Go there? Do that? Why? Because we've walked with him, and it's just time. And the thing we don't want to do is spend time. Because my time is mine. Somebody said, we're microwave Christians. Just now, Lord, now. I've tried to do that before, and it doesn't work. I snap my fingers at God like, okay, 
now. God says, I'm not on your timeline. I'm God. I'm not genie. You don't rub the lamp and ask for me. I tell you, and I tell you in my time, and I have to come before him, and I, and I have to walk in the spirit to get to know him. We sing that song, we walk with him, the things of earth will grow strangely dim. You want to get rid of your temptation? Walk in the spirit. Stop trying to get rid of your temptation. How many times are you going to hit that brick wall and realize it's not working? Stop trying and start walking. Start walking in the spirit, and the things that tempted you before start to lose their savor. They start to lose their fun. And I just don't like that crowd anymore. Well, we're walking in the spirit. We get, we're getting around some folks and go, man, this is not my crowd. There's just something there that doesn't, something there in them and in me that doesn't fit. If we can hang out with the world, talk with the world, watch the world, be the world all day, every day, there's a problem there as a Christian. But when we walk with him, my temptation just kind of goes away. I just don't, you've done this before. You've gotten on a diet long enough where maybe some junk food that you used to like just, man, it doesn't taste as good as it used to. Your tastes change when you walk with him. Last of all, why it matters, and we're done. Why does it matter that we're spiritual? Chapter 6, verse number 1. We keep moving with the passage here. Chapter 6, verse number 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. How am I supposed to restore one another if I'm not spiritual? In meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Verse 2, bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. There it is again. How do I fulfill the law of Christ? Do for others. How can I do for others and fulfill the law if I'm not spiritual? If I'm not spiritual, I don't really care about your needs. I just like me. As long as I'm taken care of, I don't care about you. Because the flesh wants the flesh. The flesh wants what it, what it wants. Why be spiritual? Why does it matter that we're spiritual? Can't I just get through with my life and just kind of be whatever? You're either carnal or you're spiritual. You're either in the spirit or you're not. I'm not saying you lose the spirit. When you got the spirit, you got all of them. You don't get a second helping. You don't get a second blessing. You don't get more of them. When the Holy Spirit moves in, you got all of him. Okay, but like we say, does he have all of you? Are you walking with him? It'd be a sad marriage if I put the ring on my finger. In 15 years, I've been married almost. Almost, yeah, coming up on 15 years. And I don't know her. We don't live together. We don't talk to each other. We split the kids up. We go to different places. We don't go out to eat. We don't talk. We don't text. We don't say hello. Maybe we live in the same house, but we don't fellowship. That's a, that's a bad marriage. There's no fellowship there. How can a man be saved and not have fellowship with the Holy Spirit inside of him? Why does it matter? Because when I fellowship with him, it comes out to me with others. And how do I fulfill the law? How do I live the Christian life? By meeting needs of others, others first. Verses 1 and 2 tell us that. It's not for my glory to be spiritual. Now, here's the kicker. When I do do something spiritual, I actually walk in the spirit, and I see a great victory in my life. What, is it, what immediately happens? I get proud of myself. Look what I did. And the Lord says, no. You walked in the spirit. I gave you blessings. And just like Israel, you turn your back on me and say, look how good I am. The kicker is we got to keep fighting this. Paul says, I die daily. i got to wake up every day, crucify my flesh, walk in the Spirit. Are you walking in the Spirit today? It's the password. Listen, you can, you can type in every password you want. I've tried them all. I've tried in every code outside the Holy Spirit. Try this one. Nope, can't get in. Try this one. Nope, can't get in. Try this one. Nope, can't get in. This guy has $250 million almost, almost a quarter of a billion dollars he can't get to because he doesn't know the right code. 
And here we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. And we're trying to live the Christian life, but we're trying to do it without his way, without his passcode. Galatians 5.16 is it. Type it in. I, I dare you. Let's read, let's read the Bible and pray for weeks at a time, for a month. Set yourself a schedule. Set yourself a goal. Get on your knees. I mean, actually, don't, don't do this driving to work and praying a quick under your breath prayer. Pray to the Lord every day. Read his word every day. And it's a promise of the, of the Bible. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Are you tired of living the Christian life your way? You can live it in the spirit. It's the key. It's the passcode of the Christian life. Let's walk in the spirit and claim the promise. We shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. On the other hand, if we walk in the flesh, we can't fulfill the, the righteousness of the spirit. I can't manufacture love, joy, and peace. I can fool you. You can fool me, but I can't manufacture it. And I know if it's inside, if it's real or not. Are you spending time with them? Or are you walking in the spirit? Let's walk in the spirit today. Let's, let's stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. We'll have the instruments come and play.